Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Welcome back, Bible Center family. Welcome back. It's so good to have you here. Those of you who are joining us in person, those who are joining us online and on TV, uh, it's so great to have you back with us. For some of you, maybe this is your first time back into uh, the Worship Center. We're glad to have you back. We trust that you uh, feel safe. Let us know what we can do to help you uh, in that journey. Also want to say welcome to those of you who may be new to us. If you're new to Bible Center, maybe this is your first time. I'm Matt. I'm the lead pastor. I would love to meet you after the service. And after the service, I'll be down front. It would be an honor to pray for you, answer any questions you may have. Uh, but thank you for being with us uh, today. Also want to just take just a minute and do a couple housekeeping announcements as we get rolling. One uh, pertains to our member meeting. We've got a member meeting this evening. Our member meeting starts at six o'clock right here in the worship center. If you're a member of Bible Center, we'd love to have you join us. Matter of fact, I hope that you'll make it a priority. We do this only three times a year, and it's a time for us to kind of see behind the curtain and answer questions, ask questions. Uh, we'll have a Q&A tonight. We've got uh, Husky's ice cream afterwards. Bring the kids, bring the family. Uh, we plan to be done about 7 to 15. It'd be an honor to have you with us. Maybe you're not yet a member, but you're praying about it, you're thinking about it, uh, feel free to join us as well. This would give you a little bit more of an insight to our heartbeat and what really drives us uh, as a church. We also want to invite you to our outdoor baptism next Sunday, next Sunday at 2.30. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, of course, it's our prayer today in this service that you'll become a follower of Jesus. And the first step of obedience in becoming a follower of Jesus is baptism. And so if you've not yet been baptized, uh, you can go on our app, you can go on our website and sign up. I'd love to have a conversation with you this week to hear about what the Lord is doing in your life and invite you to participate in baptism. But anybody's welcome to come and join us. I like to say there are a few things more Christian and more West Virginian than an outdoor, good old-fashioned river baptism. And so again, that's next week. Today we launch our 10-week series entitled Family Bundle, our Family Bundle series. And over the course of the next 10 weeks, we're going to be looking at a number of issues in God's Word related to family. We're going to be looking at what should our priorities be as a family. What is a gospel-centered, grace-based marriage? What is gospel-centered, grace-based parenting? We're going to look at things like sexual identity and biblical singleness, and we're going to look at how to survive and actually thrive in our digital world. Uh, what do we do about those, un, uh, those, those ex crazy expectations that sometimes get put on us in family? What do we do about narcissism in others or narcissism in our own hearts? We're going to cover a lot of related issues, but thankfully, God's Word has the answers. And so I invite you to join us for all 10 weeks. Bring a friend, bring a family member, and uh, be sure to tune in. I trust the Lord will speak to your heart if you don't yet have the app, you will want the app. All of our resources are there. We have a number of conferences for you to attend in conjunction with this series. Conferences, groups, classes. Uh, Michelle Thompson is doing a number of classes. There's even one right after this service. You can see all the details on the app, uh, but I trust you'll be able to get all the information there. 
If you're a reader, or even if you're a, a listener and you like Audible, I would encourage you to get this book. Every week, as you know, we recommend one book. Of course, God's Word has the fi- is the final authority. But if you're on the journey of learning how you can best disciple your family, if you get no other book in this series, you're going to want to get this book. I just read it a couple weeks ago. It is life-changing. And so uh, I'm still digesting this book. I would encourage you to get it. Check it out. This first message this morning is primarily to Christians. I would say that probably like 90% of our sermons are to Christians here. We, as a church, we want to feed the congregation, feed the flock of God that we might go out and then be a witness and a light to others. But I want to begin today by letting you know, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I invite you to Christ. The invitation isn't to church, the invitation isn't to baptism, the invitation isn't to membership, the invitation is to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And so if it seems like I'm talking mostly to family today, it's because I am. But Jesus is the one who's made us that family. And so if we can help you on your spiritual journey in any way, let us know we want to do that. Let's go ahead and jump into our big idea. Here's the big idea in the very first message in this series. Family discipleship is the single most important thing we'll do this year. Family discipleship is the single most important thing we'll do this year. We could also say it this way. Discipling families is the single most important thing we'll do this year. There's never been a year when our families have needed discipleship more than this year. Family discipleship is one of the most important things that we do. Family discipleship is as important to Christianity as breathing is to living. And there's no higher calling for a Christian to engage than to engage in family discipleship. But again, it all points back to the big idea. Family discipleship is the single most important thing we'll do this year. Now, churches typically have a theme for a year. So when I was a kid, you know, every time after New Year's, the first Sunday after New Year's, we would get the one-year theme. But here at our church, we're learning that really the theme runs better with the school year. And so often in August or September, we'll roll out the one-year theme that fits the rhythms of our church much better. And so I want to give you our one-year theme. This is what we're going to focus on right until next summer. Here it is. Understanding that healthy families are a backbone of a church on mission, we'll seek to equip 300 families to be intentional in family discipleship by leveraging our worship services, conference, weekend events, classes, activities, groups, family nights, campuses, online resources, and school. That is our way of saying we want to throw everything we've got, everything including the kitchen sink, at family discipleship. Discipleship is what we're going to be doing this year in context of families. So maybe you're wondering this. Maybe you're wondering, Matt, why is it so important that we emphasize it this year? Why do you sense that it's important? Why do our pastors, why do our elders sense this year that we emphasize this? Really for the next few minutes, all I wanna do is tell you why. I wanna give you five reasons this morning why we're emphasizing family discipleship this year. Essentially, I'll give you these five reasons and then we'll pray 
and get on our way. Let's go ahead and jump into the first reason. Why is family discipleship so important this year? Number one, discipleship is the most important thing we do in any year. Discipleship is the most important thing we do in any year. Now, just before Jesus ascended back into heaven, we read in Matthew 28 that Jesus stood on top of a mountain with uh, nail-scarred hands, and he gave his disciples this commission. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. That is the greatest. That is the great commission. And so the most important thing we can ever do as a church is to do what Jesus said is the most important, and that is make disciples. Our primary mission here is not just to fill seats. It's not just to fill classes. Our primary mission is to make disciples. So we say here at Bible Center that our mission, just to summarize it in a way that can be easily understood by all, is simply making disciples of Jesus. You're going to see this more and more around our campus. We wanted to simplify it in such a way that our smallest children and our oldest senior saint could all be on the same page. You're eventually going to see this show up in things like columns and pillars down by the driveway. You're going to see it on the walls. You're going to see it everywhere because at the end of the day, that is our mission, making disciples of Jesus. So what is discipleship? If we're talking about family discipleship, let's first define discipleship. Well, discipleship is the process by which we are formed into the image of Jesus, causing us to love God, love each other, and love our neighbors. That's how we summarize discipleship. I love what Dallas Willard says about discipleship. He said, it's the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. If Jesus worked where you work, if Jesus played on the ball team that you play on, if Jesus lived where you live, if Jesus had the friends that you had, how would Jesus love them and how would Jesus interact with them? That's really the process of discipleship, becoming like Jesus if he were you. I also sometimes like to say that discipleship is friendship with a vision. It's friendship with a vision. It's more than just the impartation of doctrine. It's more than the impartation of, of truth, although that's important, but it is friendship. It is relationship. It's life on life pointing one another towards Jesus. And so if you're wondering, why are we emphasizing family discipleship this year? I think we all can agree that at the bare minimum, discipleship is the most important thing we do in any year. All right, why family then? Why family discipleship? Well, that leads us to number two. Number two, according to the Bible, discipleship always begins at home. Discipleship always begins at home. Family discipleship in particular is leading your home by doing whatever you can, whenever you can, to help your family become friends and followers of Jesus. It's doing whatever you can, whenever you can, to help your family become friends and followers of Jesus. Now, we're going to be talking throughout this series that family discipleship is more than just our children or our grandchildren. 
Actually, my wife can have a discipleship influence on me. I can have a discipleship influence on her. Uh, I train, we train, our children, our children at times can point us to Jesus in unique ways. So it's not just for children, but let's look this morning, let's examine a little bit, at least, what the Bible has to say about training the next generation. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, that's where he lived at the time, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. My goal, our goal for this series is that you would be able to say some point in time in these 10 weeks, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord that you just put that stake in the ground, the flag in the sand, and say, we will serve the Lord. Psalm 78 and verse 4, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22 verse 6, start children off on the way they should go. Some translations say train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. And then lastly, in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. God's plan has always been for parents to be the primary disciple makers of their children. Now, I get it. That's not always how it works out in reality. Uh, for many of you, you are grandparents discipling your grandchildren. Uh, there's a number of circumstances that come because of the kind of world we live in. But I think we all can agree that the design of God is that we would disciple our children. Discipling our children is not just for the super-Christians. It's not just for the super spiritual. I've not met any of those, but if they do exist, it's not just for those. It's for ordinary men and women like you and me to disciple our children. Here's a few principles to consider. Think about these with me. Here's the first. They're all in your notes. The Christian home is a garden for growing Jesus followers. Think of that. The Christian home is a garden for growing Jesus' followers. Christian discipleship always starts in the Christian home. The most explosive weapon in God's arsenal is the Christian home. Here's another one. Discipling your child is not primarily your church's job, your child's school's job, your child's children's or student's pastor's job. It is your job. Making disciples at home is not one more thing to add to your list of parenting responsibilities. It is the one thing, the primary thing 
that is your parent parental responsibility. And then lastly, with all your family has going on, you may think that you don't have time for family discipleship. The truth is, with all that you have going on, you can't afford not to be engaged in family discipleship. Now, I get it. Your life is busy. There are times where I tell people I'm really not busy, I'm just slow, but there are times, you know, with homework and kids and and life, you just think, man, life can be really, really busy. And there's some of you that live lives three and four times busier than mine. I can't imagine. But let's think about it for a minute. All that we invest in our kids, and we invest a lot, right? We invest a lot in our kids, our grandkids. We invest places to live. We invest food to eat. We invest clothes to wear. We pay for their education. We invest in their instruction. And the list can go on and on all that we invest in our child. Here's my goal for this series. Here's our pastor's goal. Our goal is not that we would put family discipleship on the list. That's not the goal. Our goal is that we would put family discipleship at the top of the list. So that it is the most important thing. And all of us need the grace of God. None of us, me included, are doing this exactly like the Lord would have me do it. And so that's why I think we need this series at this time. Think about it. Clothing our children with the armor of God is more important than clothing them with the latest fashion. Feeding our children the bread of life is more important than feeding them their favorite cereal. Helping them dwell in the house of the Lord is more important than raising them in the nicest house. Teaching them to discern good and evil, right and wrong, is far more important than any other education that we may invest in. I love you. And as your pastor and your friend, you know I say it over and over again, I'm on the journey with you. Sarah and I are on the journey with you. We don't have this parental thing figured out. We're growing just like you're growing. But I want to encourage you just as strongly as I could encourage you. If you don't disciple your children, someone else will. If you don't disciple your children, someone else will. Your child will be discipled. The question is, by whom and for whom? And so during this series, the call of God upon our lives is that we would hear Jesus's words to make disciples. And instead of thinking about a thousand other people, that the first people we think about are the people who live within our home. According to the Bible, discipleship always begins at home. Number three, why is family discipleship so important this year? Well, number three, God has entrusted us with many families in our church and community. God has entrusted us with many families in our church and community. Jesus loves the children in our church and in our community. I'm so thankful that we're a congregation that values children. I really am. In our first service, our, 
our facilities director sat right back here on my right, and, and Steve DeBoard was, was the first to say amen. I mentioned how I'm so thankful that almost every week there are scuff marks that have to be repaired on the walls of our church building. And I love it that our facilities director is just as excited about that as I am. Right? Almost every week, they're painting something. They're fixing something that breaks. Some kid sits on something he's not supposed to sit on, and it breaks in half. And, and almost every week, there's some child who cries in almost every one of our service. Can I just say how much I love that? I am so thankful. May we never be a church where we don't hear the cries of children. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Jesus, that's his heart for kids. He said, bring the little children to me, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus loves the children of our church. He loves the children of the world. We see this in Peter's sermon in Acts 2. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off, for all whom our Lord God will call. So it's for you as an adult, it's for your children, and it's for the children of our community who are yet to know Jesus. Look what the Lord told Paul in Acts chapter 18, verse 10. Paul was nervous to minister to his city. Paul felt deficient to go into the city where the Lord was gonna call him for some time. He was gonna be there for several, several years. And Paul is nervous. He's thinking about the needs of this great community, which, by the way, every community has great needs. We read the paper of how, you know, like Charleston's about to fall off a cliff into a volcano in the mouth of a beast. You know, we read those kind of articles every single week, and there are legitimate needs in Charleston, but there's legitimate needs everywhere, right? Every city, every community is going to have legitimate needs. But the Lord tells Paul, I am with you. No one's going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. The Lord was passionate for the people who were yet to know God, specifically the children. There are tens of thousands of people in our community who have no church and no Jesus. Just read this week, the latest census says that in our county, not including the other counties, just Kanawha County alone, there are, there are 178,000 people. One recent Southern Baptist study says that only 10,000 are in, conserv or in evangelical churches on a Sunday morning. Only 10,000 out of 178,000. In Kanawha County, there are 9,256 people under the age of five. In Kanawha County, there are 35,600 under the age of 18. We add to this our opioid crisis, our meth and heroin crisis. Last, the last time I mentioned anything about adoption or foster care, I think it was about two or three years ago. And I went back through my notes this week, and I found that I mentioned that there were 6,300 children in West Virginia in foster care at that time. As of this week, according to the DHHR website, there are now 7,265 children in foster care in West Virginia right now. That means we could fill up this auditorium seven times plus 
with the number of children in foster care in our state. You say, Matt, why does this, why does this burden you so much? Why does this burden us as a church? It's because the Lord has put us here to be a, a stopgap. God has put us here to be missionaries to our community. Yes, we have missionaries around the world, but you, the church in Charleston, are a missionary right here. And as people are on the highway to hell, God has invited us to point them to Jesus, the highway to heaven. This is so important. You say, Matt, why do you get so worked up when the church or people in the church argue and fuss and fight about things that are important? The reason I do is because all of that distracts us from our mission. God has invited us. He has left us here, not because we can worship better. We're going to worship better in heaven, not because we can somehow get along better. We're going to get along better in heaven. He has left us here to point men and women, boys and girls, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And anything that distracts us from that, may the Lord help us to get our eyes off of that and focus on what really matters. Why is family discipleship so important this year? It's because God has entrusted us with many families in our church and in our community. Number four, why is family discipleship so important this year? After 18 months in a pandemic, our families need much attention. Our families need much attention. Now, this past week, I learned the hard lesson, the valuable lesson about our tools getting the attention that they need, right? So I, you know, I don't like mowing grass. I have a young man here in our church who, who mows grass for me and I pay him 20 bucks. He mows the front yard because that's what everybody sees. He doesn't mow the backyard, right? I can like mow the backyard every other month whether it needs it or not because no one really sees the backyard. I'm the classic mowing hypocrite, right? The front is all nice, the back, not so much. When we can't see our dogs anymore, I know it's time for me to mow grass. But anyway, so this, this summer I was, I was mowing grass and I realized my mower's just not working really the way it should be working, right? It, it used to be that you could make one swipe and the grass would mow. Well, like in the spring, you know, it, it took two swipes. And then now, like by summer, it's been like three swipes. I knew something was wrong. Like your mower's not supposed to sound like you know, a clogged commode when you're mowing grass. It shouldn't really sound like that. So I, I knew something was wrong, so I called my dad and took the mower down to my dad, and, and I was like, Dad, I'm not really sure, you know, what's up. I probably just need to buy a new mower, you know, I don't really know what's up. So dad sends me this picture. Here's the picture. This is the front of my mower. Then he sends me this other picture. This is the top of my mower. Now, we're really not sure what's going on, right? We haven't seen any mice in our garage. Maybe it's a mouse nest. Some say that's what it looks like. Others say it's because all the air, like, pulls in all the grass. You know, I guess if you're mowing grass that's taller than your mower, this can happen, right? If you don't maintenance, you don't service it. Certain tools need attention. Now, the reason I show you this picture is because I'm convinced this is what many of our families feel like right now in the middle of a pandemic. Some of your families, you feel bogged down. You feel like you're not gonna be able to go on anymore. And I may not know your specific situation, but Jesus knows, he gets it, he understands. 
There's several reasons why I think this is the case. Here's, here's one verse that's been on my heart. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. I think this is a great pandemic verse. You know, you know maybe back in the ter- first of the year, we thought we were on our way to coming out of the pandemic. Like, yes, finally, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then like the whole world exploded this summer. This is how many of you feel. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Here we go again. More masks, more discussion, more what? hope deferred. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone to be holy. Now the context of Hebrews 12 is suffering. If you're suffering right now, Hebrews 12 would be a good chapter for you to read. But in the process of the first century Christians suffering, he says, make every effort to live in peace. Why does he say that? Because often when we're going through suffering, when the home starts to suffer and things get tough, have you ever noticed that's when bickering and fighting and complaining tends to ramp up? That's the way it is in my house. Probably it's the way it is in your house. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root springs up to cause trouble and defile many. So if we don't deal with the conflict and the biting and the bickering, eventually it'll develop into full-grown bitterness. And he says, see to it then that no one is sexually immoral. There's a progression in Hebrews 12, unfortunately, that we see way too often in families. It starts with suffering, which is common to all of us. But if we don't take our suffering to Jesus, it develops into bitterness. And if we don't take our bitterness to Jesus, it almost always leads to sexual sin. There are men and women in our church that have made some very, very bad decisions. And it all started with suffering. I want to encourage you during this pandemic, please give your your ears to this series. Dive into this series with your whole heart. If you come into the services with with a thimble, the Lord will fill up a thimble. If you come into the services with a Dixie cup, the Lord will fill up a Dixie cup. Come into the service with a 55 gallon drum, asking the Lord to fill up the barrel of your heart with truth so that you might grow as a family. Another one is Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest as a man who wanders from his place. This is the last pandemic verse I'll share. But this is so common to what we've experienced in the last 18 months. And that is, we all had routines prior to the pandemic, right? We had like routines. You went to the same place every day, sort of. You got up at the same time. You knew where your kids were gonna go to school. But over the last year and a half, I mean, those routines have kind of flown out the window. There was a while there, you're wondering, am my kid going to go to school at school? Is he going to go to school like at home? Is he going to go to school like in the woods with the wolves? Where's my child going to school today? And then there's a while there where you're like, hey, do I go to the office today? Am I allowed to go to the office? No, you can only go to the office on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Next week, you go to the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? Like our world has been turned upside down. And because of that, at times, we're like that bird that that wanders from its place. God says, when we get out of our routines, that's when temptation comes. So guard yourself 
ask the Lord to use this series. Family discipleship is hard in any season, but even during, especially during a global pandemic. Finally, lastly, number five, why are we emphasizing family discipleship this year? Well, lastly, here it is. Our families desperately need discipleship because our families desperately need Jesus. Jesus said something similar in John 15, five. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. This applies to you as an individual and it applies to you and your family. Now, I do want to say at the very first message in this series that if you have a child who's away from the Lord, if you have a child that you've raised to the best of your ability, and none of us are perfect parents, none of us, but someone that you have raised and that child has turned from the faith, they've turned away from their roots, their moorings, I do not want this series to be something that heaps guilt and shame on your heart. Do you know it's not your job to save your child? It's not. Your child can have the perfect upbringing and still not choose Jesus. Think about the children of Israel. The children of Israel had the perfect father for 40 years in the wilderness. And over and over and over again, they still rebelled. So there's no need for you to heap shame on your heart. I want to prevent you, protect you from that. Think about this, Romans chapter nine and verse 16 says, in other words, it's not your job to save your child. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Isaiah 59, one, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save or his ear too dull to hear. If you have a kid who's afar from Jesus, pray for that child. Don't give up. Where there's life, there's hope. Ask the Lord to do the impossible. But as we think about this series, here's what I don't want us to think. Let us not think that, well, families are the most important thing at Bible Center. Maybe you're single. Maybe you, uh, you come alone. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe, there's a whole host of things, situations. I don't want you to think that somehow you're second class and that this picture of a family, whatever you have in your mind, is most important at Bible Center. Now, we're not doing this series because families are most important at Bible Center. We're doing this series because Jesus is most important at Bible Center. And I think we all can agree that Jesus is inviting us to build into the next generation. And we're convinced that family discipleship is where it's at. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord build the house, the labors labor in vain. Hebrews 12, one and two says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why are we doing this series? Our families desperately need discipleship because our families desperately need Jesus. Here's what I want to leave you with. Here's today's takeaway. It's simple. 
It's something everybody can do. Pray hard for families this year. Pray hard for families this year. Pray for your own family. Ask the Lord to give you ears to hear, to open your heart, to come expectant, to prioritize this series, to prioritize this message. Pray for other families in our church. People are hurting. We need a lot of grace. We need a lot of mercy, a lot of patience with one another. People are hurting. Pray around your meals. Pray when you read your Bible. Pray when you have your prayer time in the car. Pray for other families in our church. Pray for families in our community. Pray for this series. We're going to be covering a lot of sensitive issues throughout this series. Things that are going to require the grace of God for people to receive, for people to to hear, for people to obey. Pray for this series. Pray hard for families this year. You say, Matt, why is it so important? Why is it so? It goes back to this. Because we believe family discipleship is the single most important thing we'll do this year. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. 